G'day friends, welcome back. What an interesting round of football that was. If you got more than four in the tips, well done. You could have eaten, like, you know, people probably easily got uh, five or six because there was a few 50-50s in there. It just seems a lot of people went one way with those 50-50s, including myself. I ended up with just four for the week. If he ended up with like six or more, fucking well done. Really well done. <laughs> um, but yeah, God, so interesting. Just just when I, I, I said probably round 12 of, and, and many other times apart from that, but I think the most recent time I like made it a guarantee uh, was round 12. I thought the eight was set. I thought um, from fifth through eight was set at, you know, St Kilda, Dogs, Essendon, Adelaide. Uh, we've now uh, changed a little bit of that. <laughs> um, and very good chance, excuse me, very good chance uh, that it could change more. Now, I've gone through all of the games of the round as I normally do, but with just six weeks to go, I'm also going to have a little look at the run home of all those teams fighting uh, for those spots from fifth through to eighth, of which there are nine teams, in my opinion. So uh, all the teams who are from fifth to eighth at present, um, I do not think are a guarantee, even Geelong. I'm not jumping on Geelong just yet. So from 5th in Geelong all the way down to 13th in the Gold Coast, I've done there the run homes because they are all a chance. They are all a chance. As you, you know, you move further, like when you're getting down to, I drew the line at Gold Coast. Um, I was almost going to draw it at Richmond, but then I thought, no, I should do Adelaide's. And then I, you know, because they're on the same points as Adelaide, I did Gold Coast as well, although Adelaide's percentage is a lot better. Sydney, just those two points off, their percentage is good because of that belting of West Coast, but I had to draw the line somewhere. If I jump down to Sydney, you've only got Fremantle two points behind them, and then where the fuck do I even stop? So um, I think Sydney have to to win every single game uh, to make the eight from here, whereas the teams above them, I think, can still, everyone above them can still drop one game and make it, I think. So, yes, from 13th to 5th, nine teams can fit into those four spots. Very, very exciting. Um, I'm going to get into the idea of a wild card round and what I think about that. Um, and I'm also going to talk about priority picks with North Melbourne and what I think about that. Lots going on this week. We're ramping up. Month and a half until finals. Let's get into it. That was a long intro. I apologize, but um, I had to say all that stuff so you knew what was going to happen in this episode of the pod. Okay, first up, I'm doing Carlton and Port Adelaide. 
one of a number of games which surprised many over the weekend. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. Are Carlton good? Yes, they are good. How good? We still don't know. <laughs> We're still not sure because, look, Port in any state, um, in any, both literally, whether they're playing at home or somewhere else, and in any state in terms of the team they field, um, are dangerous, right? They are extremely dangerous at Marvel, where this game was played. Um, despite having seven outs, they're still they were missing some key players. They're still dangerous. Not as dangerous as, you know, a fully fit Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide. Still very dangerous. But Carlton, oh my goodness me, dismantled them. Just dismantled them. They didn't know what to do with themselves. The Blues are doing something called leg drive. If you don't know what leg drive is, you can see it when these guys play football. When Collingwood play football, um, Geelong have just started doing it in the last few weeks. The teams who are doing well are doing this, right? When you get the ball in like the mid, in anywhere on the ground, really, that isn't your forward line um, around a contest, rather than just trying to get rid of it as quickly as possible and just take ground you run a little bit first. Leg drive out of stoppage, right? Carlton did it about a million trillion times in this game. You get it and you run. You take 10 paces first and then you give it off. That way, when you give it off, that person can then kick or do whatever and the ball ends up 10 meters, 20 meters further than it would have been had you just kicked it from where you first got it. That's what leg drive is. Running with the ball when you might not necessarily want to, you know, out of congestion, out of a stoppage. That's what they're doing. That's that, you know, that is what they're doing extremely well and allowed them to have deep entries um, against Port on the weekend. And they were so dangerous. Even when Mackay went down, so a lot of people talking about this, Mackay goes down in the first quarter with his knee. Thank God it's not an ACL. You guys know how I feel about ACLs. They're just making us so sad. Um, but it left Kerno down there as the one big man. And I'm going to get to Silvani as well. But Kerno just kept it simple, right? It, it was going to be hard for him to take a contested mark a lot of the time, so he just got it to ground. And that allowed guys like Motlop, who was very, very, very late in, to then kick four goals for the game. Um, um, Hardo said it best on the call. They should bring him in late every week because he was excellent. Um, he was fantastic, that's for sure. And yeah, they just kept it really simple. Everyone keeps saying that they were predictable and that was a good thing. I don't think that's, I get what that means, but I don't think that's quite right because being predictable is not really a good thing. They're being predictable to themselves, but the chaos that is created when a ball going inside 50 hits the deck is never predictable. Right? Even if you know it's going to go Kerno tapped down to Motlop or whoever's there. Always, always was the out for Motlop. But you, know, you get what I'm saying. Um, Martin, um, that that play being predictable doesn't mean you can predict how that's going to play out because it's chaos, right? That's what small forwards exist for, right? When the ball hits the deck inside 50, they've got to be the quickest players there. They got to, you've got to not know what they're going to do. That is chaos, and that's how you you know get lots of goals. 
um, through that avenue. And I thought Motlov was fantastic. Just on Silvani, um, he's a good player. A lot of people, like, he, he struggles a lot as, like, the third tall... He's, he's got a really weird role in this team. He's the third tall and an undersized Ruckman. Um, he sort of gets lost sometimes, um, but I thought he was fantastic in this game, and this is what he can do. He's not a bad player. He's not. I think he's just... like He, he might f- flourish in a different team, but he's still a good player. Um, and yeah, just sometimes he has games like this and sometimes he doesn't. I don't know. I, I think he's he's definitely worth pursuing. He's still young. Like Carlton should stick with him and just try and work him out. Just, you know, I don't know. Because he isn't, he's not gigantic. He's 193 or whatever he is. Like if he's down there in the forward line, he's not, you know, getting in the way of Mackay and Kerno. Kerno's not that big either, to be fair. He's only 195 or something. Um, but yeah, I, just, I was just really impressed by Silvani's game. He was he was fantastic. Still, like for the last few years, playing in that second ruck role, which he's definitely undersized in. Um, let's talk about Carlton's run home. So they are at present, are they 10th? What I should actually have up is, yeah, they're, they're 10th. So the Giants are in ninth and they are only percentage out of the eight. Carlton, because of their draw, are two points behind them, um, but have a much stronger percentage. So Carlton's just on percentage. Like if we, can I get this to work for me? It won't let me. Why can't I order it by percentage? Why can't I order it by percentage? The AFL app has had an upgrade and now it won't let me order everything by percentage. That's fine. Um, If we're just looking at percentage, Carlton have the one, two, they'd be sixth right now. No, they wouldn't. Adelaide's is better. They'd be seventh. But they're in the eight if you're looking at their percentage. I don't know what the fuck I'm going on about. They've got a percentage of 111, which is very strong. And they've also got West Coast coming up this week. So it's only going to get better, you would think. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're probably the strongest team positioned outside the eight as we stand. So yeah, they're run home. They got West coast this week at home. So that could get real ugly for the Eagles given in Perth earlier in the year, I think Carlton won by a hundred and something points. Um, then they've got the pies. That's going to be a super, super interesting game. Oh, excuse me. Um, especially when we remember what happened in the last round of last year. Now, this isn't going to be in the last round. This is round 20. No, this is round... Two, sorry, this is round 20 um, that they will be playing Collingwood, but that's going to be huge. That is going to be massive. Um, and that is exactly where we're going to see how how the, how the Blues are going because Collingwood are the best team in the comp now with a little bit of space between them and anybody else. They are just going as well as you can possibly be going at the moment, Collingwood. Um, so we're going to see Carlton won't beat them. 
Jesus. Imagine if they beat them. If, if Carlton beat Collingwood, Carlton will win the premiership. <laughs> they will go all the way because that'd be fucking bonkers. Um, so Carlton can drop one. As I said, I haven't done every single ladder predicted that there is. I'm not doing all the different combinations because we've still got six fucking weeks to go. But Carlton can drop a game and still get in. That I do know. So you would imagine it'd be that Collingwood game. And then they have the D's. Sorry, then they have St Kilda, which, you know, on current form, they're going to fucking destroy us. Don't even worry about that, Blues fans. And then they have the D's. Sorry, that'll be another really big game, which they can win. They're going to have to win that one, you would think. And then they go to the Gold Coast to play the Gold Coast. Um, again, you on current form, you would not think that too difficult a task for them. And then it's the Giants at home. And that game could be for a spot in the eight. It could be, which for Blues fans is just going to be a little bit scary because they've been there before in that exact situation. Um, but this will be, that's at Marvel, that game. Um, that'll be huge. That'll be massive. Because the Giants also in very good form. I will get to the Giants shortly. Their run home is not super easy either. If the Giants have um, dropped a couple of games between now and then, um, that game might not be for a spot in the... Well, it might only be for a spot in the eight for Carlton. So that'll be really interesting. But yeah, the Blues have not got uh, one of the easier runs home. Um, but it's definitely doable. Look, you're probably locking that Pies game for an L, but all of the others are definitely winnable, 100%. So that's going to be fascinating to see uh, if they can continue on the form that they've been on for the last month. Um, I'll briefly touch on Port Adelaide. There was another team in this game. Lots of outs. Seven outs is a lot. Um, even if most of them weren't their you know, absolute A-graders, um, it still unsettles the balance of your team. When you've got a team that's mostly played, you know, as a unit, you know, when you have a group of players, maybe like 24 or 25 players who've basically played together for a good chunk of the year, and then you uproot seven of them, um, that does make a bit of a difference. So that definitely hurt them, um, but it didn't excuse um, the way that, you know, Carlton manhandled them, really. Um, another worry for Port Adelaide going, you know, heading towards finals is this injury to Butters. So we don't know exactly how serious it is. He was, you know, exited from the game. Um, it's a groin injury, I believe. So it could be minor and it could be okay, or it could be not minor. Sometimes those groin injuries can like not be really bad, but they can be niggly and they can just make it really difficult to play your best football. And if Port are going to win the flag, they absolutely need him playing well. So given Port have locked away their, you know, maybe they just wait until they've locked away um, a spot in the top two. How far ahead? So they're now, what, two games ahead of Brisbane and a game behind Collingwood. So... You know, maybe it gets to what round twenty-two or twenty-three, and Brisbane can mathematically not catch them, um, and they just rest butters for the. I don't know. It, we got. We can't wait. We sorry. We have to wait <laughs> um, until we know how serious it is. 
before we can sort of speculate on whether they keep him in the team, keep him out of the team. They might be forced to keep him out of the team. We don't know. But if he's sort of like okay but not at his best, you play him um, for the next, what, three weeks until they can lock away that home final and then you rest him. You rest him and you've also got the weeks by before the final. So you could give him three or maybe four weeks off depending on how things are shaping up. That might be the way they go about it, but it is a worry. It is a serious worry. Okay, let's go on to the Crows and the Giants, which was another really interesting game, and it was an excellent game as well. As as good as the Giants have been recently, I did not expect them to beat Adelaide in Adelaide. This was a little bit of a surprise, and it's a bit of a worry for the Crows now. Like, they were flying recently and like you know to, to only kick eight goals at home um when they've been one of the best scoring teams in the comp all year um is a real worry and they find themselves out of the eight now so um i don't know what's going to happen with them in the next six weeks they haven't got uh the easiest of runs home um but if they'd just been a little bit better the last couple of weeks they wouldn't have had to worry about it um they have i said this last week they have to use keys when you've got an opposition with a player like uh, a merit or a kelly like we had on the weekend i know he's got a role that he's playing and you don't have to go with the tag every week but sometimes when you have some clubs don't have a player that can do that at all when you've got one i feel like you've got to be able to use them sometimes because kelly after getting tagged last week was incredibly influential on this game. So, yeah, like I, I know it's hard for coaches to weigh up, you know, losing the role that that player's already playing to substitute in a tagging role. But, gee whiz, sometimes you just, you just need to do it to ice a game. You just need to. Um, I mentioned how much trouble... The Crows had scoring. The Giants' backline is unbelievable. Everyone knows how good Taylor is, but Buckley is fantastic. I love Connor Iden. I think he's really, you know, becoming a fantastic player, and they've got a bunch of others down there. Um, they got one of the stingiest backlines in the comp at the moment, and I mentioned Sam Taylor. If he'd played um, more football this year, he would be a lock for the All-Australian. He might even... He, I don't know how many games he missed. It was like eight or 10 that he missed, I think. So it's probably not going to be enough for him to get in, but he's going to come bloody close, even though he's probably only going to end the season with, what, 14 games or so to his name. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, gee, he's he's unbelievably impressive. He's really, really good. Let's talk the runs home of these two teams. So, uh, ooh, Adelaide. As I said, they haven't got the easiest run. They got a couple of okay games, but yeah, not super easy. They've got Melbourne at the MCG the, this week. That's going to be a really interesting game. If they win that, they're right back in. I don't see how they do, um, given how Melbourne have suddenly just fixed everything with this gone and Petrarca business, which I'm going to get to. Um, so that'll be tough. And they've got the showdown, which is going to be so interesting. So interesting. That could go either way. They won it earlier in the year. So who knows what could happen there? Then they've got Gold Coast at home. 
So that could be another win. They've got to go to Brisbane to play the Lions, which is almost an impossible victory. Then they've got the Swans at home. Also think they'd be able to get the win there. And they've got West Coast. Also another likely win. So um, definitely, you know, as, I, as, as with most other teams, and they're, you know, they're at the bottom end of this range of teams that I think can still make the eight, um, they can drop one game and still get in. So you'd think... You know, one of the the Brisbane, Melbourne, and Port Adelaide games they can drop, and maybe they can drop. I don't know. As I said, I haven't done every single combo that there's going to be, but um, if they only drop one and win the rest, they'll get in. If they drop two, they might be in trouble. They have got a good percentage, so again, anything's possible. I have not done every combination, but. It's not the easiest run home when they got three of the top four teams in the competition still to come. The Giants uh, are much closer to being in the eight. They're in ninth at the moment. They got the Suns in Sydney this week. You think they'd win that? Then they got the Dogs in Melbourne. That'll be tough. Uh, they got the Battle of the Bridge. They got Sydney uh, in uh, at Giants Stadium though. So it's not the SCG, which is I guess a little bit of a win. Um, then they've got to go back down to Adelaide to play Port. That'll be tough. Essendon in Sydney. That'll be a really, really interesting game. In the second last week of the year, that could you know, be fighting for a spot in the finals, as could their last game of the year against the Blues also in Sydney. Um, that'll be super interesting to have a look at. God, man, that, that those... Oh. They haven't got a very easy run either, playing a lot of the teams around them in Gold Coast, Bulldogs, Essendon, Carlton. Like, oh, they, they got a, re- a really interesting one, a really interesting run. Um, again, they can drop one of these games. They'll drop the Port Adelaide game, you would think. Um, you know, win the rest and they're home. Same with most of the others. So th- there isn't really a team who has an easy, who has got like, you know, six games where you go, oh, they'll win all those, you know, of these teams who are fighting for those spots from fifth through eighth. So it's it's a it's a fascinating last month and a half we have ahead. Um, let's talk of, oh, let's do Swans and the Dogs all the way back on Thursday night. Um, another result I did not expect. The Dogs are so frustrating. They're so frustrating. Um, it was Horse's 300th game as coach, his 500th game uh, in the AFL. So you know, 200 as a player and now 300 as a coach. Enormous achievement. It is rare that you see a playing group so crazy about their coach. There's lots of coaches that have great relationships, but the Swans boys love John Longmire. They love him. The relationship that he's built... They're not that they are. It is so beyond them playing for themselves, for each other, for the fans. They play for him probably more than anything else. Um, and it's the envy of the competition. At some point soon, you think he'll finish up at the Swans. Um, he will be in incredibly high demand as a coach at another club. Um, yeah, he's only got them the one premiership in his tenure. Um, he's lost what three others, um, but man, just oh, as a leader, 
as a coach, I don't know how much more you can ask of him. He's he's fantastic. Um, the Swans did really, really well to win this game. Errol Goulden has been fantastic all year. He might be the All-Australian wing. Um, he's one of three vying for those two spots, assuming that they actually go with wingers on the wings this year, which I think they're going to do. Um, and Buddy as well. A couple of goals in this game. He played really well, especially in that last quarter when the game was on the line. Took a couple of really good marks. I thought he was really impressive. That's all he has to do. Now, he's he's probably only got six games left for his career. Um, he doesn't need to be kicking bags, but just games like that just show that he's, you know, there is still a part of him there that is, you know, brilliant. He's still just got a little bit of brilliance in him despite his age. He was really good, buddy. Um, ah, the dogs, they're so wasteful. I've been saying, God, this is what everyone's talking about and you don't need to be a football expert to see this i'm definitely not a football expert you can look at their numbers right in almost every game they dominate most um stats categories disposals and clearances and this and that and the other thing and they still lose half the time you look at the games that they've dropped in the last you know six weeks or so in all of them they're dominating all the all the statistics. And they, they dominated the statistics in this game as well. They're getting so much of the ball. They're dominating clearance, but they just they can't score. They can't score. They're, they're one of the better teams from clearance, but they're one of the worst teams at scoring from clearance. It is oh, excuse me. It's nuts that they just can't get it from A to B and convert. Um It'd be so frustrating as a Dogs fan because they've got such a good list. They're playing good football. They're, they're just not finishing off all their good work. Um, so they are they are still a very dangerous team, the Bulldogs. They just need to figure their shit out. they got six weeks to figure it out. Um, I'm not doing the Swans run home. As I said, I had to draw the line somewhere. The Swans can't make it. I don't, I don't think they can make it. Um, so the Dogs, they've got Essendon. Then they got the Giants in Sydney. Then they got Richmond at Marvel. Um, Hawks at the G. Eagles at Marvel. Geelong in Geelong. That's not too bad. That's actually a really soft run. Essendon will be tough. I think that's at the MCG, that game. It might be at Marvel. Um, yeah, Essendon will be tough. The Giants will be tough, but it's at Marvel, which helps. Um, same with Richmond will be tough, but it's at Marvel. Then they got Hawks and Eagles, which they'll win. And then the one that will be almost impossible for them is Geelong in Geelong. So if they win all those others, they can drop that game in Geelong and they'll still make finals. So, um, they probably have, of all the ones I've looked at, they probably have the easiest run, the dogs, you would think. St Kilda's isn't too bad either. Um, but St Kilda are a bit too shit, I think, to capitalise on the ease of their, of their draw. Alrighty, let's talk about Friday night. Let's do Melbourne and Brisbane. Oh my God. Um, we've, we've probably had four or five really brilliant games this year. Um, this is one of them. This is right up there for game of the year. This was unbelievable. So Melbourne burst out of the blocks to start the game of a really strong quarter. The next hour and a bit is dominated by Brisbane. They're able to turn a four-goal or so deficit into into a four-goal or so um, advantage. 
in the space of that hour. And and going into that last quarter, Melbourne looked stuffed. Brisbane um, are playing fantastic footy defensively and offensively. Um, after the way Port Adelaide performed on the weekend, Brisbane probably now move up into you know, the second seed position. They're still two games behind Port, so they won't be going past them. Um, but the football that they're playing is very, very close to perfect. Just in that last 10 minutes, what the fuck are they doing? What are you doing? You've got to read the room, right? When you're three goals in front with four minutes to go, that's when you can shut the game down. But when, you know, there's when only, what, four goals were required with 10 minutes to go, that's still plenty of time for a good team like Melbourne. And we saw it happen. You know, you can't go into shutdown mode. And they they sort of tried to do the right thing. You could see late in the game, Gunston goes back to be the extra, but then Melbourne sent another player back to man him up. So Brisbane had to find someone else again to go and be the extra player. You're trying to have an out number. And if every time you send someone back, Melbourne sends someone to to man you up, you just keep playing that game until there's no one left. (laughs) Okay? That just, oh man, they seem like they didn't know what to do. Um just their their positioning and their setting up around that 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 stoppage that ended in the viney goal um yeah just a real mess and it's a good lesson for them to learn but it shouldn't have been a lesson they needed to learn an experienced team like brisbane who's played finals the last 4 years um yeah they just gee whiz they had to be better than that they really really should have won this game um, and now, now they still haven't shaken the MCG bloody hoodoo thing. Um, but still, as frustrating as it is that they lost the game. By the way, I mentioned how good this game was. Incredibly accurate game. 16-9 to 16-8. You can't get much better than that. Um, if, they, if the two of these teams play a final like that, it'll be one of the greatest of all time. Um, as, I, as I was saying, yeah, it's incredibly unfortunate that they weren't able to win the game, Brisbane, but gee whiz, they were good. They were very, very, very good, and they should have won. They should have won this game. Um, they win this game, and suddenly they are very much in contention for that top two spot and two home finals, most likely. Um, but now they're going to be now they're probably be going to Adelaide to play Port in that first week. Where look, anything could happen. Um, they can win down there. It's not totally out of the realm of possibility, but I think they'd much rather be forcing Port Adelaide to travel up to Brisbane in that first week, um, which I just... A lot of people still think they can swap spots. A lot of people... Brisbane's percentage is better, so all they need to do is win two more games than Port Adelaide win. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen unless Port drop uh, the the showdown. That could happen. I don't know what the rest of Port's draw is like because they got they got Collingwood this week, um, but it's in Adelaide, so they could beat the Pies. They probably won't. So that'll be the game that Port drop, um, and then yeah, maybe maybe the the showdown as well. But that means Brisbane can't lose another game. So yeah, that, that'll be that'll be tough for them to do. Um, but if they do do it, if they can finish in second, if they can get two home finals, um, they'll make the grand final for sure. They'll make it Brisbane the way that they're going. Um, 
Just before I talk about Melbourne, Cam Rayner has been on my radar a little bit. Very quiet in this game. He's had a few quiet games in the second half of the year. He's one of their X-Factor players. He's the sort of player. Like, I know they'd really gone into shutdown mode, but he's one of their players. Like, it's him and it's Bailey and it's Cameron. One of those guys is like kick the winning goal sort of guys. You know, they, they just, in that last couple of minutes, somehow they can get the ball forward, have a forward 50 stoppage. One of those guys is the player who can burst through the pack, get a tap on the outside, kick a goal. Um, and he's just, he's had a couple of really, really quiet games in the last month, month and a half. So just uh, keeping an eye on him in the next six weeks. Melbourne. Uh, before I talk about the Petrarca, Gorn, Grundy, like all these movements that they've made, Melksham, what a little renaissance he's having, right? Comes back into the team last week, very good against St Kilda, and continues that form this week. Two extremely important goals in the last quarter, including the winner, which was clutch, which was clutch. It wasn't an easy goal. He was on a bit of an angle. He was a fair way out, late in a very tiring game. But when it left his boot and you could see it was going through, I was watching. I just said, that's clutch. That is very clutch. Um, so well done to him. And, you know, it, he'll be, you know, stiff if he loses his spot um, in the next six weeks. That is for sure. Okay. This Petrarca forward experiment has netted eight goals in two weeks. That's a tick. That that's that's going very very well, as I said. I don't know if they can continue it into the finals, but it's worked against Brisbane, who are right up there. As I said, the second, if not the third best team in it at the moment. Um, so you know, it's it's just weighing up how damaging it is in the midfield to lose him versus how beneficial it is in the forward line to, to gain him there. And their forward line looks completely different with him down there. It looks completely different. If he's not down there last week, St Kilda probably beat them. Um, and if he's not there this week, they definitely lose to Brisbane. So, you know, it's it's definitely a win. Um, it, it is a worry that they have required this, that all these forwards that they've got haven't been able to, like, work their shit out. Fritch will come back likely first week of the finals. Maybe not. Um, depends on a lot of things. This Gorn and Grundy situation. Now, th- there's something that's been bothering me a lot the last few weeks, especially as the year's gone on. The, f- the football season is long and there's a lot of stuff to consume if you're a football follower. There's, there's the football itself. There's all the media coverage. There's all sorts of stuff. The media has been pissing me off so much the last month or so. They are really struggling to obviously get, if it's radio listeners, if it's one of the shows, get views, because they're just saying the most fucking bonkers shit that just makes zero sense. Everyone, after he got dropped for one game, everyone's like, oh, Grundy will get traded now. He'll get traded after one year. After one of the you know, most insane trades that we've seen in recent times, last year when he went and joined the best ruckman in the competition at Melbourne, everyone's like, oh, he, he got dropped for one. It's, it's sort of not really worked, having the two of them in the team for most of the year. Sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't. You definitely wouldn't call it a failure, 
because they're fourth on the fucking ladder. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he gets dropped for one game because he's going to the VFL to learn how to be a forward. And everyone goes, oh, he will get traded. What the fuck are you talking about? If Grundy is at a different team next year, I don't know. What, I, I've already threatened to eat my shoe over something else. I'll eat my hat. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking buy North Melbourne membership. I, I like. It's crazy. It's crazy. What like they're just making up whatever fucking shit they feel like. And oh my god, after the Thursday game. The, the fucking coverage on Friday of what had gone on, suddenly Beveridge is out. Beveridge is hopeless. You know, they've only made finals like six of the seven years he's been coach or whatever, seven of the eight years he's been coach. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's one flag. They've never finished top four, sure. They lost one game to Sydney in Sydney, and now everyone's calling for his head. Like, fuck me. Just talk about the football sometimes, yeah? What the media does is make big calls. They take a very small sample of evidence and they make a big call on it. I do that as well. And like them, I'm wrong most of the time. I say shit all the time that I think and I'm wrong. But they're just fucking... They're just grabbing shit out of thin air. Oh my God, they need to grab it out of thin air and shove it up their ass. They are all shitting me, everyone. Corns... Shits me most of the time, but he's shitting me even more. Buckley has been shitting me so much this year. David King, normally I love Kingy, but he's been shitting me as well. Jared Waitley has jumped on this Grundy's getting traded thing. Jared Waitley is the best person in AFL media, but he's lowered his colours big time, jumping on this bandwagon of Grundy's going to get traded. What the fuck? It's just blowing my mind. Yeah, th this club has invested heavily in this player. It's not going perfectly for them. They're trying to win another flag. So they're seeing how they can maximize what they've got. And and like guys like Buckley and, and other people, but Buckley especially saying that Grundy can never be a forward. Ever. Ever. There's no way he can be a forward. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He doesn't have to be amazing, but if he can he if he can get you one goal a week, if he can average one goal a week, I think that's fantastic. If your second ruckman is kicking a goal a week and then can and then goes into the ruck, you know, for forty percent of the game, thirty percent of the game, I don't know, um, and and can do what Grundy can do in the ruck, that is fantastic. That is an enormous win. To, to say just bluntly that he can never be a forward, especially Bucks, who would know Grundy really well and they'd be really good friends. Like, Grundy's going to the VFL to try and figure out how to be a forward and his former coach is saying there's no chance it works. How the fuck is that meant to make him feel? Oh, it made me so angry. If it doesn't work, fine. They'll try something else. They'll figure it out. But it might work. To say that there's no chance of it working is crazy to me. It's crazy. But again, I think they're just they're just going for the headline. Buckley says that Grundy can never be a forward. The person who might know him best says he can never be a forward. Like, what the fuck? Oh, it's, I've just been getting really cross. <laughs> I've been getting really cross 
about the media. I've, there's not much of it now that I watch. I'll still watch 360. I love 360. The couch is leave it or take it. Um, sometimes I'll get 15 minutes in and I'll just get so fed up with the crap that they're talking. But a lot of the time they do do pretty good analysis. Um, so I will watch that. But God, a lot of the stuff on SEN I can't listen to now. I can't do it. I can't do um, Kane and Bucks on Mondays. I can't do it. I can't do Kane and Kingy on Fridays. I can do Jared and Kingy on Mondays. Um, and I'll always love um, Gaz and Tim Watson during the middle of the week. I'll always love that. Um, but God, oh man, so much of it is so frustrating now, just trying to get headlines, trying to make good clickbaity things that they can put on Instagram or whatever. Like, oh, it's just been, it just feels to me like it's been really bad this year. All that stuff. Um, Gorn played one of the best games of his career. It was fantastic. On the weekend, I think it is whatever ends up happening with Grundy, Gorn probably needs to stay at least 70% Ruckman, at least, maybe more. So maybe Grundy becomes an 80-20 forward, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, some some people suggested that it might be the way to go, have Gorn be the back half Ruckman and have Grundy be the forward half Ruckman, have them both on the field playing ruck at the same time, just depending on where the ball is. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Um, but Gorn is so dominant. Like as a as as a number one ruckman, which they both are um, at the moment, Gorn is a lot better. At his best, there is not another ruckman in the competition that is even close to Gorn, even remotely close to Gorn. So he's their number one ruckman. He's also older than Grundy as well. So everyone who's saying, oh, they're, they're going to trade Grundy, cool. What are they going to do in two years' time when Gorn retires? They're just going to find another Ruckman out of nowhere? Like, I, th- I think Grundy be two years younger than Gorn. So Grundy's probably got three or four years, um, while Gorn's got one or two after this. So just it's just blowing my mind. Some of the shit they've been talking this year. Oh, I'm exhausted. I'm really cross about. I'm really cross about that. Uh, let's do. Or oh, let's get this ugliness out of the way. Let's do North and Hawthorne. Hawthorne getting the job done by 48 points. This was fucking ugly. North Melbourne are in so much trouble at the moment. I said at the start of the year, their list profile in terms of age and experience is not bad at all. They've got way more experience than Hawthorne in terms of games played, a lot more, like twice as much, which is crazy when you look at how they've gone this year. This this has been a completely wasted year for North Melbourne. You can make the argument there's no such thing as a wasted year. Um, This is a wasted year. This is a wasted year. Like, what have they achieved? What have they learnt about themselves? Yeah, they've blooded a lot of good young players. That's fantastic. Every team's done that. Every team's done that. So, um, yeah, really a wasted year in this. Like, the team that is above them on the ladder and will finish the year only one rung above them on the ladder. I mean, maybe. Fremantle could drop down to third bottom. Who knows? Um, But most likely, they just destroyed them. And as I mentioned, Hawthorne a lot less experienced than North Melbourne, and they destroyed them. So... 
the the talk about the priority pick. I I am not a fan of priority picks. I think uh, not because I think they're unfair. I actually think they they don't help. They don't. I don't think that they help the teams that they are given to. I think if you want to help a team that's been struggling for a long time, more salary cap space. Give them an extra million dollars. Give them an extra million dollars. If North Melbourne next year had an extra million dollars, they could go to Callum Mills and Tom Green and Mitch Georgiades, right? Just three random players and go, we can give you $300,000 more than anybody else can. Okay, do you want to come play for us? You know, they, they can do that sort of thing or they go after a megastar. They, they go and get themselves a million dollar player. I don't know if there's going to be any on the market this year, but they could go and get one, you know? So that's the sort of thing that extra salary cap would allow. And, you know, how, how often do they just get that for one year? Then they're kind of in trouble the following year, aren't they? Well, you know, if, if we're talking, you know, who deserves and who doesn't deserve a priority pick, and I'll, I'll get in trouble here because, you know, I'm a Saints fan. And I'm trying to help the Saints out. I don't think it's a bad because so in a in a perfect world we got eighteen teams at the moment we got eighteen teams in a perfect world your team wins a premiership once every eighteen years in a perfect world that's how the AFL works they're trying to equalise the competition in a perfect world one premiership every eighteen years for each club that makes sense right how's this for an idea if it's been more than twenty years since your team has won a premiership you get an extra million dollars a year in your salary cap. So that would, yes, be St. Kilda. Before 2021, that would have been Melbourne. Um, at, at present, that is also Adelaide. It is Carlton. It is North Melbourne. It is Essendon. Would all have an extra million dollars, um, you know, for the for the Gold Coast and for the Suns. It doesn't count. They haven't been in the competition for, for 20 years, so it wouldn't, you know, count to them, but once they did get to that threshold, if they haven't got a premiership, they would get it as well. Um, because, you know, like imagine Melbourne, you know, the, the Bulldogs. Until 2016, there was the Dogs, Melbourne and St Kilda, all 50-odd years without a premiership. Like, that's no good. That's no good. And yes, St Kilda still haven't got one, and if they don't get one soon, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. So yeah, I would love, I would love us to have some help. Um, but yeah, the AFL is all about trying to figure out how to equalize the competition, then help the teams who don't have any premierships. And if, and if, if these teams who haven't won it in a long time, suddenly win one, they get more membership. They get the, 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 and like a lot of these teams are in debt. Like St. Kilda's in an enormous amount of debt. North Melbourne have just got themselves out of debt. They win premierships, they get more memberships, they can pay off their debts to the AFL and the AFL has more money. So, um, and it's a small investment. What did I say? There's five clubs. There's St Kilda, Adelaide, Carlton, North and Essendon. I think that's right. Are the five clubs who haven't won a premiership in the last 20 years. That's only $5 million they got to find. Give them each a million dollars in their salary cap. It's not very much for an an organization like the AFL. Get yourselves $5 million extra, you know, somewhere in one of these 
TV deals that you're doing and just give each club an extra million and they can go and they can, you know, pay players more. They can do what I said, go and take, you know, try to poach two or three players from around the competition and lure them with extra money. Or you go and get one megastar from somewhere and you can pay them and whatever you want to pay them. Um, that's what I think about priority picks. I think they're fucking dumb. I think you should give clubs more money if you really want to help them. Because look at Gold Coast. How many priority picks have they had? Hasn't helped them one bit. Not one bit. Anyway, Clarko, wanted to mention him as well. Um, he's been back at the club, but he's not coaching. Um, this club's just in no man's land. Poor Brett Ratton has just been saddled with this basket case of a team and tried to salvage something from this year. Um, apparently, Clarko's going to be coaching again before the end of the year. I don't really see the point. Just just pull the plug on this year of coaching Clarko and keep doing what you've been doing, apparently, which is looking at draft picks and looking at the list. And, you know, so he's been doing all this work, just not in his role. So that whole situation with him, I think, is really strange. I think it's really strange. And, you know, I'd be frustrated, honestly, if I was a player. Yeah, Clarko, if he needed to take time, that is fine. But take time. If you're back and ready to work, get back to coaching. I don't know what is going on. Um, Hawthorne, briefly as well, this year is a win. 2023, big win. I think they've been fantastic. I didn't think they were... I thought they were going to be lucky to win four games. They've won five, and we still got six weeks to go. Um, I believe they've got West Coast still in there somewhere. I think I was... I, I looked ahead at their run. I haven't got it written in front of me, though, so... You know, I think they do have West Coast still to come, I believe. So, you know, they're going to end up with six, maybe seven wins because they've got a couple of other games. Like, they've got St Kilda again, who they beat earlier in the year, so they could win that as well, especially the way St Kilda are currently going. Um, so, yeah, this year, massive tick for Hawthorne. Um, I can give them that grade happily already. Geelong and Essendon, Jesus Christ, Jesus fucking Christ, what happened? Essendon, you were going so well, and now you go down to Geelong. I I loved the numbers that were going around last week of the teams who do and don't ever travel to Geelong. It's just the the big rich Melbourne teams never have to go to Geelong. So Essendon, this is only the fourth time this century that they've been to Geelong. That's why they lost. They were like, can we breathe the air down here? Like, what's what's going on? Um... So, you, you fucking get what you... No, <laughs> you that's a bit rough. Geelong were very, very good. Um, Geelong are just sort of looking how they were looking last year, which is surprising me, for sure. Um, a lot of questions still on how they go away from home, um, but we will see in the next six weeks exactly how they go away from home. Um, just on Essendon, before I move on, good teams like you know genuinely good teams don't allow this to happen to them like seven goals five to one behind at quarter time like this game was over it was over um and then Geelong just cruised to an even more impressive victory by the end of the game um Essendon never even gave a yelp so it's a real worry and yeah it's Geelong in Geelong where no one really wins um but they had to be better than that Gee whiz, they had to be a lot better than that. That was really, really poor. Um, Essendon's run home first. Let's talk about this. So, 
they've got the dogs. Uh, I think that'll be at the G or it might be at Marvel. I haven't got that written down. Then they've got the Swans in Melbourne, West Coast in Melbourne, North in Melbourne, obviously. What am I saying? Um, the Giants in Sydney, and then they got the Pies in the last round of the year. Um, it's good that they've got West Coast and North Melbourne and Sydney as well. Sydney are a struggling team. So they got a few easy ones there. The Giants in Sydney will be tough. I mentioned that game before. That's going to be a ripper. The Dogs won't be easy either. Uh, and the Pies, they won't be winning that, you wouldn't think. So, again, they drop that Collingwood game and win the others, they're fine. Um, but, God, so many of these teams that I've gone through and looked at are playing each other. So there's not going to be many who only drop one game. Um Oh, it's going to be so interesting. It's going to be so interesting. Geelong, Hawkins, really good game. Five goals, three. He was fantastic. A little bit of a return to form for him. Um, let's talk about Grian Myers or, or Grinal Messes. <laughs> um, it's been really funny watching Jared Waitley get sucked into this like meme debacle over the weekend. Very, very funny. Um, so this thing went around. Um, that was claiming Jared had compared Grind Grind Myers to Lionel Messi, um, which was very, very funny. And he he got a bit upset about it and people were trolling him and it's a whole thing, but he's he's a good sport. So he's taken it very well. This is very, very funny. Grind Myers um, is one of my favorite players in the AFL purely for his ability to to kick the ball inside 50. It's It could not be overrated because it's it's an absolutely elite skill that he's got. Geelong's run home. So they sit in fifth at the moment. They've got a really good position. Suddenly they're in fifth. I swear they were out of the eight like five minutes ago. Now they're, now they're in fifth. So they've got to go to Brisbane to play the Lions this week. That's going to be really interesting. They've got the Dockers at home, which they'll win. They've got Port at home, which you think they'll win as well, but... You know, who knows? And then they've got Collingwood at the G, which will be extremely difficult. St. Kilda at Marvel, you think they'd win. And then the Dogs at home as well. So three games at home, two very tough ones not at home. So Brisbane and Collingwood at the Gabba and the G, respectively. Very, very tough games. Um, Those will be ones to watch for sure. Um, especially the Pies. Like, you think Brisbane won't lose at the Gabba. Um, so the Pies at the G. The Pies and the Cats have played some bangers at the MCG in the last 18 months. So um, that'll be one to watch for sure. So, again, not a super easy run home either. They are not a lock. They are not a lock at all, especially if they also drop that Port Adelaide game. Port Adelaide could beat them in Geelong. It's unlikely, but they could do it. So... You know, Geelong are not a lock by any means at this stage. All right, let's talk about St Kilda. Let's talk about St Kilda. Um, So disappointing. That's one of our worst performances of the year. It might have been our worst performance of the year. Just we are such a mentally weak team sometimes. Like we knew exactly how Gold Coast were going to play. They played like they were pissed off. They were ferocious, and they should be pissed off as well, the way their coach was treated. Um, and, and we knew, everyone knew that's how they were going to come out and play, and St Kilda just weren't ready for it at all. Gold Coast came out and Turkey slapped us, and then we just couldn't catch up for the whole day. So, 
really, really frustrating. Um, it seems like Ross is getting a bit frustrated as well. He's he's well, he's going to wield the axe at the end of the year. Next year, our list is going to look completely different. I'm very interested to see what he does, who stays, who goes. Um, who of the players who have played a lot of football this year are going to stay and who's going to go? Dougal Howard is not safe. He uh, has been poor for like 90% of games this year. Really poor again on the weekend. Um, you know, got like a lot of our midfielders like, what's going to happen with Ross? What's going to happen with Seb Ross? You know, Crouch gets heaps of the ball. He's a brilliant tackler, brilliant contested possession getter. But how damaging is he with the ball? That's the question. Um, we've got a lot of these young players who are doing quite well, but are all of them going to stick around? You've got guys like Caulfield who haven't played a game this year because of injury. Does Ross have any idea what to do with him? Um, lots of questions. Lots of questions. I do not think we need to go crazy. I think we have had a lot of injuries this year. So a lot of the players that have been exposed to a lot of senior football would not have been. Um, so we definitely we definitely need to get rid of the junk on the edges. We've got a lot of players who are just okay at best, and we can't have that, right? You cut them, you need to have, and this is what we don't have. This is what we haven't had for a long time. You don't need a really good starting side. You need a really good, probably 28 players, roughly. You need 28 players who are all 100% at AFL level. And then you have four or five of them who spend most of the year in the VFL because they're there for backup. At the moment, we have, you know, our, our absolute best side, I think, is pretty good. It hasn't been on the park, not even close to being on the park, um, for most of the last three years. Um, that being said, our best side, probably only 16 or 18 players. I'd be like, yes, 100% every week, get them in. They are fantastic. So that means there's like six or eight who are like, eh, then they're, they're average. Like Howard won't be upset if he goes, you know. Guys like... Like Ross, I said again, I love Ross. He's won two best and fairest, but he's he's not he's beyond his best, and I don't know what he's adding to the team. And when you're getting to that age and you're not contributing, like where's he going to finish in the best and fairest? Top ten? I don't think so. If you're at that age and you're not finishing top ten in the best and fairest, I don't know how much good you are. And he's had a couple of injuries, but when he has played, he has not. Um, been at his best, not even close. And then you got guys like Billings, who's not, like, even if he comes back from this thumb injury, he's going to end the year with maybe four games to his name. Where's he at? Gresham has had a horrible year by his standards. Where's he at? Um, he is another one who I think is going to go uh, as a free agent, so we'll get some sort of compensation there. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, like, you know, there's guys like Campbell, who's, I think Campbell's the oldest player on our list. He hasn't played a game, so he'll just go. He was a backup, 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 backup ruckman anyway. 
Um, and then under him, there's Max Heath, who is still yet to play a game, although I think he, he might be ready to do so. So young development Ruckman probably sticks around. You've got guys like Tom Highmore, who haven't been injured this year and still haven't been able to play a game. Guys like Bytel and Burns. Burns probably holds his spot. Ross seems to really like him. But Bytel, only a handful of games again this year and a couple as the sub, so he probably goes. Um, it's all these players who are on the edge, who are on the periphery. Probably There's probably going to be 10 who go, who retire or are delisted. And then if we can draft well and recruit well and bring in just a handful of players who are all ready to play at AFL level. And like you guys, you got, our younger players will continue to improve. Filippo will improve. Owens will improve. Wintager will improve. Wanganin Malira will improve. All these young guys who are going to be superstars, they will improve, right? So they strengthen our best side. Um, but man, yeah, it's it's all the it's all the it's it's like yeah, it's from it's like our twentieth to our twenty eighth player that are just hopeless most of the time, just hopeless. So, like Dan McKenzie is another one. If Ross could get his hands on him, I think he'd be fantastic. But he is just perennially injured. Um, so I think he's played his last game. Jones gets injured a lot. He's pretty good when he does play, but he's just injured so goddamn often. So how much good is he really? Um, this could be a crazy offseason for St Kilda, for sure. Two players I do want to mention who are very good on the weekend. Sharman played his best game for the year. I was saying this a month ago. Stop playing him as the sub. Put him in for a whole game and let's see what he can do. He was fantastic. Probably our second best player. On the weekend, he was fantastic. Windhager also played his best game for the year. He was fantastic. Very happy to see him getting lots of minutes in the midfield. He was excellent. St Kilda's run home. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not that good. So the next two weeks, we have North and Hawthorne. Right? If we win both of those, we're right back in it. If we drop the Hawthorne game like we did earlier in the year, we're fucked. We're screwed because after that, we have Carlton, we have Richmond, we have Geelong, and we have Brisbane. <laughs> That's trouble. So, again, we can if we only drop one of those, we're in. If we drop two, we'll be lucky to get in. If we drop three, we're fucked. <laughs> that's, that's the case for most of these teams that I've gone through. Um, the Blues are going to be incredibly difficult the way they're going now. Richmond, um, we did lose to them only f- four weeks ago. Also, so um, don't feel confident there. Geelong, it is at Marvel, thank God, but I still don't think we can beat them. And then we've got to go to Brisbane to play the Lions, so we won't be winning that one either. Um, the last thing we want is to be at round 24 and have to beat Brisbane in Brisbane to make finals because that's just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it's just setting us up to fail. Um, do, do we get in? No, I don't think so. Now, definitely change my tune. Having watched us pretty closely, or even more closely than usual the last couple of weeks, I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, we are horrible. We are a bad team who, by some just miracle, I don't even know what to call it, have spent every single week of this year in the eight. Uh, and at some point, probably in the next fortnight, we will fall out. Well, maybe not the next fortnight because we've got easy games. But in the fortnight after that, we will fall out. Um, and should be heavily criticized for it because we're a fucking joke. You can see how over it I am. Um, 
Gold Coast were excellent. As I said, they had a ferocity that I have not seen from them in a long time. Atkins played his best game for the club. It's always great when you're coming up against an opposition and a player who's been struggling for them suddenly plays the best game they've played in fucking ages. That's always good. Um, And Sam Flanders as well. Bit of a breakout game for him. He was really, really good. Also, um, the Gold Coast's run home is not that bad either. So they've got the Giants in Sydney, which is going to be tough. It's winnable, but it's very, very tough. Um, they got a Q clash against Brisbane, which they won't be winning. They've got to go to Adelaide to play the Crows, which is not going to be very good either. But then they have the Swans, again, in Sydney, but very winnable. They've got the Blues, not great, but it's at Metricon or at Heritage Bank, I should say. So winnable, again. Um, and then for their last game of the year, they got North Melbourne, which they will win. So it's all about, you know, can they take their opportunities? They're, they're free now. They've had the they've had their shackles removed by Stephen King. Um, so who knows what they can do. If they make finals from here, I don't know how Stuart Jew would feel. I don't know if he'd be happy or if he'd be gutted. I don't know. That'd be very, very interesting. I think, you know, they're probably the least likely of everyone to to get in, I think just because like how how for how many weeks will Stephen King allow them to just play open football? How many weeks will it work for? They're not going to be able to match the ferocity they played with on the weekend going forward. You would think so. You know their sort of toughish run uh, will become tougher if they can't maintain that kind of form. Um, again, another team that's playing a bunch of teams around them, Carlton. Giants and Adelaide, the Suns have got. So oh, it, it's going to be an amazing last six weeks. I can't get over how exciting it's going to be. Um, Collingwood and Fremantle. <sighs> God, the pies are good. 18-5. They kicked 18-5. You can't look away. They're so sexy to watch. God, they're playing sexy football. That second quarter, 10 goals. 10 fucking goals. Just... Just rip your heart out of your chest kind of stuff. They're unbelievable. And it's the same names every week. It's Nacos and it's Jacos now going with his brother, both playing fantastic football. Um, you don't have to say much about Dacos. Everyone else is saying it for you. He is the best player in the comp, and there's a bit of space between him and the next person. I couldn't even tell you who the next person is. It might be Bond and Belly. might be Merritt. might be Butters when he's not injured. I have no idea, but I can tell you who number one is. It is Nick Dacos. Um, Josh Dacos also, as I mentioned, playing very, very well. Maynard, God, the footage of him that's been going around and the, and the pressure that he's putting on opposition who they've got covered comfortably. He doesn't have to do that, but that's the sort of player he is. He is the definition of a warrior, Braden Maynard, the sort of player that you'd just love to have in your team. Um, he's awesome. He, he, I could watch that footage of him fucking running back and forth and chasing and pressuring and and smothering and jumping on people. I could watch that all day because it's just beautiful football and there's no skills involved. Anyone can play like that. Anyone. But you've got to be a special type of person to actually do it. And yeah, he's just fucking awesome. Um, Dockers, another team who have wasted a year. What a wasted year. They're probably going to finish bottom four. Now, which is crazy, given they won 15 games last year. Really, really poor. And because of Jackson, they've got no early picks. Their first pick's going to be in the 40s or something. So um, 
really, really worrying heading into next year. Long, Long Muir um, will be a coach whose head is on the chopping block next year. He's going to be under an enormous amount of pressure um, after what they've dished up this year. And Darcy's injured again. Um, so who knows how they're going to go if they haven't got him in the team for the rest of the year. I didn't even catch what he... I can't even remember what his injury was, um, how long he'll be out for, but he was removed from the game. So, you know, and we saw during the mid part of the year how they went without him in the side. They're a completely different team without him. So they may continue to struggle for the next six weeks. Ooh, sleepy boy. Last game for me to touch on, West Coast and Richmond. Richmond just got the job done. They didn't blow them away. Um, They didn't have to. Um, West Coast have actually been a little bit better at home in the last you know month or so, like a little bit better, a little bit more competitive. They were okay in this game. Like to still be within striking distance in the last quarter is a pretty good achievement for them, honestly. Um, Andrew Gaff was a lot better this week after I flagged the really poor form he'd been in. So you know there was a, there was a little article actually about you know his willingness to be traded. After I'd made those comments, I felt pretty smart. Um, Richmond Bolton has been very, very damaging this year. Two goals, four, and 23 disposals. He could have had an enormous day if he kicked a little bit straighter. So he's in really, really good form. Richmond's run home now. Their run home is really interesting as well. Also playing a couple of easy teams, a couple of teams around them, and a couple of hard teams. So they got Hawthorne this week. That'll be a win. Then they got Melbourne, very tough. And they have the Dogs, that'll be at Marvel, I think. That'll be tough. They got St Kilda at Marvel as well. Um, winnable, definitely. You know how I'm feeling about St Kilda at the moment. Then they have North Melbourne, which will be another win. Then they've got to go to Adelaide to play Port in the last game of the year. Um, similar with St Kilda having to play Brisbane in Brisbane in the last game of the year. They don't want to have to get to that game and win it. Oh, excuse me, to make the eight. That'll be bad if that's where they find themselves. So, yeah, that, that, that is, that's round 18 all wrapped up. Really, really big round. And we've got an enormous six weeks ahead of us. It's, it's so exciting. All the teams fighting for those spots play each other. They all play each other yeah, at least a couple of times. Most of them have got the teams around them twice it helps that there's nine teams that have gone through so that's half of the competition that's vying for those four spots in the eight um i feel a lot more excited about it now that i'm pretty confident st kilda won't be there i can kind of relax a little bit um that being said i'll still be stressed out of my fucking mind when st kilda play because they're just they're just doing that to me this year even more so than last year the conversation about us in kilda better or worse than we were last year. I can tell you that we're better. You can look at our percentage and you can see that we're better. Might have the same wins and losses, but our percentage is better. And we've got Owens coming through, uh, Wind Hager, Philippo coming through. Marshall's had the best year of his career. Sinclair's going to get another All-Australian jacket, you would think. Um, so we're a little bit better than last year, like a tiny, tiny bit better tiny bit better. We've had just as many injuries this year as last year. Um, I can't remember exactly, but we may have had more injuries to key players. Not having King for most of this year has really hurt, like a lot. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to say, but I think 
just just purely looking at how we're going, like not getting into numbers or anything like that, I feel like we're a little bit better than we were last year. We'd fucking better be, or this whole calamity with Brett Radden has just been a big old fucking waste of time. Seriously. Um, big call. My big call for this week. Everyone wants a wild card round. Everyone's so excited about it. The clubs are meeting to talk about whether we have one next year. I, I'm a little bit 50-50. I'm probably more against it than I am for it. Um, it would be exciting, that's for sure. But where where I get to in thinking about it, where I just can't get on board, is the idea of 7th playing 10th and the fact that a team in 10th could get all the way to a grand final. A team in eighth getting all the way to the grand final would be rough enough. That's why it almost that's why it never happens. It never fucking happens. Um But imagine like you finish tenth. Maybe you've had ten or eleven wins for the year. And then you get to this wild card round and you beat the team in seventh who've got fourteen wins for the year. And then suddenly you find yourself, you know, you're in an elimination final against a team who's got all, who has, who also has fourteen wins for the year, and you beat them too. Then you're playing, you know, a, a team who finished top four in a semi final, who won sixteen games for the year. Like you know, it's it's it would be incredibly exciting, and it's a good way to fill that bye week. But I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think the final should stay. As an eight, as exciting as it would be, um, I'm not against getting rid of the pre-finals by. I do like it in a lot of ways, but it doesn't have to be there at all. Um, you, if you guys have listened to me a lot before, you know that I think my idea for um, a season where everyone plays everybody once, so a 17-round season or an 18-round season once Tassie comes in, but a 17-round season... Um, that starts off still in March with a four week state of origin series. So, you know, Victoria, South Australia, WA and the allies, they all play each other once. So that takes three weeks and then the ladder is built as normal. So four points in percentage awarded and so on for every uh, result. And then the two top teams out of those four play each other in a state of origin grand final. And we have a winner um, that takes four weeks and that allows us to remove, you know, have like five weeks or whatever it would be um, from the fixture and everyone plays everyone once and then you can get rid of the pre-finals by because everyone's had a shorter year and you just have one week off in the middle of the year. You play eight or nine rounds, have a week off, you play the remaining eight or nine rounds um, and then you have finals. I think that is a much uh, more streamlined way to do the season it is getting a little bit long now even with like the gather round was great but now the year's just going on a little bit too long and I love football as meant as much as anyone probably more than most people but the year's just a little bit too long now and I think the players and the clubs would agree for the most part so that is what I think about the wild card round I guess my big call is that I don't think it'll happen I think most clubs will fall into the camp of it wouldn't be fair for the team in 10th to make finals. 8th versus ninth is a little bit different, but it's still not ideal. I think just leave the 8 as it is. 
yeah, it's a way to make more money. It'd be a lot of fun, but we're compromising the competition is what we'd be doing. So I don't think it will happen. That is my big call for this week. That was a long one, but I had a lot of shit I wanted to say. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, leave a review, all those fun things, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.